Dark Briar Asylum for the Insane, New York City, November 29, 1890. Josephine Montfort stared at the newly mounded grave in front of her and at the wooden cross marking it. This is the one you're after, Kinch, Flynn, the gravedigger, said, pointing at the name painted on the cross. He died on Tuesday. Tuesday, Joe thought. Four days ago. Time enough for the rot to start and the stink. I'll be wanting my money now, Flynn said. Joe put her lantern down. She fumbled notes out of her coat pocket and counted them into Flynn's hand. You get caught out here, you never saw me, you hear, girl? Joe nodded. Flynn pocketed his money and walked off into the darkness. Moonlight spilled over the rows of graves and the looming towers of the asylum. A wail rose on the night, high and piercing, and suddenly Joe's courage failed her. Step aside, Joe. We'll do it, Oscar and me, Eddie said. He was standing across from her, on the other side of the grave. He said nothing more as she met his gaze. He didn't need to. The challenge in his eyes spoke volumes. How did this happen? How did I get here? Joe asked herself. She didn't want to do this. She wanted to be home, safe inside her Gramercy Square townhouse. She wished she'd never met Eddie Gallagher, the tailor, Madame Esther, Fairy Fay. Most of all, she wished she'd never laid eyes on the man buried below her. Wait by the vault. Go back, Eddie said, not unkindly. Joe laughed. Go back? How? There was no going back. Not to her old life of drawing rooms and dances. Not to Miss Sparkwell's school. Not to her friends or to Bram. It had all gone too far. Joe! You wait by the vault, Eddie, Joe said crisply. Eddie snorted. He tossed a shovel at her. Joe flinched as she caught it, then started to dig. Chapter One Miss Sparkwell's School for Young Ladies Farmington, Connecticut, September 17, 1890. Trudy, be a dear and read these stories for me, said Joe Montford, laying out articles for her school's newspaper on a tea table. I can't abide errors. Gertrude Van Eyck, all blonde curls and dimples, stopped dead in the middle of the common room. How did you know it was me? You didn't even look up. Duke told me, Joe replied. Duke's cameos were Trudy's favorite brand of cigarette. Trudy sniffed her sleeve. Do I smell? You positively reek. What does Gilbert Grosvenor think of you smoking cigarettes? Gilbert Grosvenor doesn't know. Not about the ciggies or the bottle of gin under my bed. Or that utterly swell boy who delivers apples, Trudy said, winking. Slang does not become a Farmington girl, Gertrude, sniffed Libba Newland, seated nearby with her friend May Delano. Neither does that fringe, Lib said Trudy, eyeing Libba's badly curled bangs. Well, I never, Libba huffed. And I'm sure you never will, Trudy said archly. Stop being awful and read these, True, Joe scolded. My deadline's tomorrow. Trudy sat down at the table and helped herself to a jam tart from Joe's plate. It was three o'clock, tea time at Miss Sparkwell's, and the common room was crowded with students on break. Everyone was chatting and eating except Joe, who was busy finalizing the layout for the second edition of the Jonquil. What do we have this week? Trudy asked, the 
The usual tripe? Joe sighed. I'm afraid so, she said. There's a piece on the proper way to brew tea, a poem about kittens, Miss Sparkwell's impressions of the Louvre, and advice on how to fade freckles. Ye gads, anything else? Joe hesitated, working up her nerve. As a matter of fact, yes. A story on the abuse of girl laborers at Fenton's textile mill, she said, handing one of the articles to her friend. <laughs> so funny, my darling, Trudy said, smiling. Her smile faded as she read the first lines. Oh, dear God, you're serious. Trudy kept reading, riveted, and Joe watched her, thrilled. Joe was a senior at Miss Sparkwell's and had written for the Jonquil during her three previous years at the school. But this was the first important story she'd written. She'd worked hard to get it. She'd taken risks, just like a real reporter.